Alright, what's going on everybody? This is Big Red. And this is Appetit. We are here bringing you our first kind of content since the, the new year opened up. We are officially in 2019 and, and Big Red vs. The World is looking to take a lot of steps forward in, in this new year and bring you guys a lot more content you might have seen uh, on our Twitter account. If not, you should follow it. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm really excited for this upcoming year. We're going to be bringing you a lot a lot more content, some shorter episodes, and, and a few uh, kind of solo ventures for, for Ant and myself. Uh, Ant, you want to say anything about upcoming Ant Big Red vs. The World stuff? Yeah, so I feel like, um, well, like you said, we'll have, the, we'll have two shorter episodes out a week, so it'll be around like a half hour, 40 minutes probably. Um, so we'll be able to stay up more with what's currently happening instead of just taking everything in that's happened in the week and then deciding on three things and leaving some things out. Um, with this, we'll be able to stay more current. And also with the solo pieces that you mentioned, it'll also give us um, individually, Big Red and Appajant, an opportunity to kind of connect more with our audience and um, talk about some things that we individually would want to talk about because obviously like me and Big Red have different interests and different uh, favorite different sports and have favorite different teams so I mean it'll give us an opportunity to kind of speak on things that weren't necessarily worthy of a whole topic on an episode for both of us but it's something that we wanted to talk about so we'll be able to get that out too. Yeah and just like, just like you said, I'm pretty excited about it, and I think we're really going to be able to give you guys more content and better content overall, and so with that being said, we're hoping to kick that off in the next week or so and really start pumping out the, the episodes for you guys, and with this episode in mind, um, it is kind of our kickoff to 2019, so we're keeping it simple, uh, keeping it light, just talking about a few things that we kind of really we're thinking about yesterday um, and so today we'll be talking a little bit about James Harden and how he's essentially heaved three after three up his way back into the MVP conversation um, we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff semifinals and how much of a disaster those were and then we'll do a little short preview on the Bama Clemson game definitely excited for that and then I got a big red baller that hits close to home at the end. Yep, so I guess um, I'll get into it. I'll kick off this James Harden whole craziness. Um, he's, for those who don't know, he's been playing otherworldly. It's crazy. I mean, right now I have a couple of articles pulled up, and one of the headlines is James Harden is not of this earth. <laughs> so that, that kind of gives you... Uh, thought of how he's been playing. Um, he just recently, last night, um, Thursday night, dropped 44, 15, and 10 on the Warriors, brought him back, took it to OT, hit the dagger at the end, or not even the dagger, the game winner, three over Clay Thompson and Draymond, and it was just ridiculous. And I mean, that's just the most recent kind of game he's had. <laughs> he's done this for the last, like, 12-ish games, I want to say, something like yeah. that. So um, with that little intro, I'll let Big Red take it. And as a Rockets fan, you know this gets me hyped up. Um, I, here's here's the pretty much exact stat. Over his last 12 games, James Harden is averaging 40.1 points, 9 assists, 6.6 rebounds, with a 64% true shooting percentage. During that span, the Rockets are 11-1 and and jump from the 14 seed in the West to the 4 seed. And I believe they're only... A two and a half or three and a half out of the nuggets for the one seed now um which is unbelievable uh and i mean you said it it's otherworldly basketball he scored 408 points between december 13th and december 31st is the most points ever scored in a 10 game stretch um i i really hadn't thought much about james harden and repeating his mvp uh, mainly because the rockets were doing poorly um and there was a few breakout stars early on. I, Giannis is the other front runner right now. Um, 
Anthony Davis when the Pelicans started off pretty hot. I was kind of thinking it was going to be their year, but obviously the Pelicans are not doing well. Um, but, I mean, James Harden has literally willed his way and his team back into playoff contention and the MVP conversation. I, he said it himself a few days ago. He said that he was going to win back-to-back MVPs. He was looking for that, and he thought he could do it. And I kind of... I kind of believed it. I wanted to believe it. Like, yeah, that'd be cool. I know, like, I, he's on an incredible run, absolutely, and so I appreciated that. I just kind of thought it would be tough for James Harden, who seems to be in the MVP conversation every single year, on a team like the Rockets where they're struggling. And at this time, I was kind of thinking, I don't know if they are going to be a top four seed. Uh, and so it was like, how, are you really going to strip it from Giannis, who the Bucks are leading the East right now? And Giannis has kind of been, in, can kind of agree or disagree if you want. If kind of Giannis has kind of been on that, the next like the heir to the throne essentially, is what people are kind of hyping him up as uh, to LeBron. Basically, Giannis is supposed to take this next level step. That, and this is no disrespect to Giannis at all. I, I think he's a fantastic basketball player, and I think he's MVP caliber Uh, but for James Harden to say those things and then immediately go play the Warriors on the road with Chris Paul and Eric Gordon in street clothes not even playing to will the Rockets back from down like 20 points at one point yeah they were down 20 not like 20 they were down 20 20 points at one point to the Warriors on the road and James Harden like warrior the Warriors The dude shot 23 threes, dropped in 10 of them, which is about like 43%, and and shot a game-tying shot with less than a minute left to send it to overtime. And then, like you described, which is the screenshot of that shot as it's leaving Harden's hands with Clay and Draymond, is my background for my phone now, to then win it in OT after KD runs out of bounds and saves it for Curry to hit the go-ahead shot. Um... I don't know. That's on a national stage. That's NBA TNT. Everybody's watching the Warriors and the Rockets, especially the way Harden's playing. To have a performance like that on a stage that big against the Warriors at home, it was unbelievable. Totally changed my perspective on... I I mean, James Harden, if he can keep up anywhere near this and keep the Rockets and get them to a top three seed or higher, I, I think James Harden could steal the MVP away from Giannis. Yeah, so um, I guess my side of this is a little different. Like, obviously, you're a Rockets fan. You're always back in James Harden as your favorite player. Um, you're always wanting him to do well. You're always expecting him to do well. After last year in the playoffs, I mean, I was also on kind of the James Harden bandwagon. Um, I was outside with picket signs that said Harden for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was definitely lobbying for his MVP because I felt like he, he deserved, deserved it, it right? like, at least once before. Yeah. And um, so um, after he finally won it, like I'm expecting him to not necessarily beat the Warriors, not necessarily win a championship, but at least show up. And for him not to do that when like this is this it was a narrative like James Harden wins the MVP, CB3 goes out like that. This is where like legacies get cemented. Um, could you imagine how differently we would view James Harden if he was able to come out in MVP form in Game 6 or Game 7 and close out against the Warriors and take the Rockets to the finals? Absolutely. Like we'd, we'd, like he would have transcended to easily. He would have risen to, like if he's not top 50, top 50. Higher than that, I, I would say and, higher than And that. in the scope of today's game, I would say that would take him from the realm of superstar elites like the Anthony Davises and the Giannis's and from the these guys can help you can make your team win a championship and to me those players are a LeBron James a Kevin Durant a Steph Curry and I think James Harden is kind of right in limbo in between that spot and if if he had done that I think it takes him into that that upper echelon of guys and you can no longer Kawhi Leonard another guy I don't want to leave him out um but like those kind of five guys, and that would make put him in that conversation at the very least, even without his defense, if he could have willed them in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, could, I completely agree with that. But then once he didn't show up, I was I immediately 
fell off the James Harden bandwagon. I mean, he had done this previously, season after season pretty much, has just underperformed in the playoffs, so I'm just like, yeah, he's, he's a really good regular season performer. He's still at least fun to me to watch. I know a lot of people try to get on him for his free throws. I mean, that's a different thing for a different day. I mean, that's really the NBA officiating. Um, it, it's it's in the rules, so <laughs> I'm not going to get too far into it. But, I mean, like I'm still always wanting to watch James Harden, um, but I was I was off the boat on he's a legit superstar guy like you were talking about. But um, after he came out and said, I want back-to-back MVPs, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's kind of waking up and realizes that his legacy is at stake. I mean, not necessarily the back-to-back MVPs, but it's more of he needs to come out here and save his team and lead his team to, um, not like I said, not necessarily championship because we have the freaking infinity gauntlet with the Warriors. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but he needs he realizes that he needs to show up when it matters. And for him to say that and then come out and do what he's done the last 12 games, it's, it's starting to get me back on that bandwagon a little bit. I mean, he's out here killing it. He's killing. He's a killer the last 12 games. Um, when it's mattered, he's drugged the Rackets out of the mud. Um, now they're like that polished dirt ball that I've seen on Twitter. Um, <laughs> They still don't have everything going nowhere, obviously. Like you said, CP3, Eric Gordon, and business casual attire on the <laughs> on the bench. Um, but for him to will his team and pretty much single-handedly carry his carry his team against the like they're not they're not playing the Knicks every night. They aren't. They are here they playing. Beat some good teams. They're playing the West. They're in the Western Conference. They're playing really good teams. They just he just willed them like we talked about. He just willed them to win against the Warriors, who are in contention for the best team of all time in a in an overtime win in Oracle. Um, so I'm more on the James Harden bandwagon a little bit, not completely on because I'm not going to be completely back on it until he shows up in the, in the playoffs. But um, what he's doing is, is just crazy. I mean, like I was texting you earlier, or last night I was texting you. Um, it's, we haven't seen this since Kobe. Like obviously not saying that. James Harden is Kobe or anything like we, no, like we yeah, talked about not... too, but we haven't like this type of offensive production in this kind of game span where it's more than it's been more than ten games, it's been twelve games exactly. We haven't seen this since Kobe, so I mean it's crazy. I mean like we said, like the CBS article says, James Harden is not of this earth. As of now, he's not. As of now, uh, the monsters got some <laughs> juices from somewhere and gave it to James Harden. He's just been playing ridiculous. So, I mean, um, that's kind of my initial reaction to this. Somewhere where I kind of want to take this is um, where is he, what's his, like, the odds makers obviously have him at number one for the MVP. Um, best odds after, right now. Like, after but yesterday or the after, game. <laughs> after last night's game. But um, where I kind of want to take this is what's the, what do you think is the, is realistic um, or the probability of a James Harden back-to-back MVP. I th- I think it's tough. Um, I so I so there's one thing I uh, kind of want to say before we yeah, get into the ahead, like more on the MVP discussions. You're saying you're not saying so. You're saying Co- not in Kobe's like not as good as Kobe by any means, and that's not what like you're you're saying by the we haven't seen this since Kobe. You're correct. And so the one thing I guess I want to point out is after last night's game, Daryl Morey said that James Harden might be yeah. the best offensive player we've ever seen. Yeah, I have that article for And while I do appreciate Daryl Morey's enthusiasm, and I do love James Harden, I think he is one of the better offensive players of all time. One of probably... I don't... He's not on Kobe or MJ's level yet. He hasn't done enough. He has, one monster, ridiculous stretch of basketball is not enough to say he's as good as six championship Michael Jordan. He's as good as bloodthirsty Black Mamba Kobe that would score on your grandma if she was on the court. Like, <laughs> no. He's not there. But he is great, and he still has time to cement his legacy, and he's going to have to do that in the playoffs, I think to be viewed on those guys caliber 
Um, but the re the one thing I really wanted to point out that was Colin Cowherd put out a video or did talked on his show after Daryl Morey said these things and basically just went on there and just absolutely thrashed Harden and compared him to Kirk Cousins. Oh, and while I get the comparison, I get the comparison. Yeah. Big stats guy in the regular season, chokes in big games, um, chokes in playoffs, essentially is what it translates to basketball because there's not necessarily as big of primetime games in compared to football. When you think of football, you think of Sunday night football, Kirk Cousins can't win. Monday night football, Kirk Cousins can't win. You don't think, you don't necessarily in the middle of the regular season think, James Harden, NBA TNT tonight, loses to the Warriors. Ah, oh, man, he sucks. No, it's, it's a regular season, a little different. So it's more geared towards playoff success for Harden. And I, 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 I get the comparison, but James Harden, like, this is the, just the disrespect, I guess, I felt from Colin Cowherd. I understand that you're trying to make a point in comparing Kirk Cousins to James Harden because they're both good stats guys in the regular season. Um and then struggle in the playoffs or in big games. James Harden is an MVP. He's an MVP. Kirk Cousins is not an MVP. Kirk Cousins puts up empty stats. James Harden wins games for his team. James Harden still puts his team in the playoffs, and while he is not on MJ or Kobe's level, which I agree with Colin Cowherd on, please don't ever compare James Harden to Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's... It, I just felt a... a pretty big level of disrespect in that and while I understand that he has to prove himself just like you're saying but it's like dude at least at least yeah, show the man well. some respect he did just have a 12 game sh streak where he did things that only Kobe and Michael Jordan have done yeah I mean Colin Coward also last year so, um, had Ben Simmons in his top 10 players in the league and didn't have Russell Westbrook so um, I'm not I wouldn't t really take anything that Colin Coward I, I, I guess I, I get that, and I don't always, but I mean, it's, I don't know, man. I, sometimes, he's just such, he's so loud, because he just basically gets on there and yells his opinion in like a, in an angry way that makes you think he's right, and it just, when it's stuff I agree with, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I call it Cowherd's the man, <laughs> and then he puts something else out that I'm like, dude, shut up. <laughs> like, you don't know, you don't know anything, bro. So, I mean, that's just kind of childish, I guess. But still, I felt like James Harden was a little disrespected there. And while he is not on Kobe or MJ's level, I think he's got plenty of time, not not ever to pass those two, because he can't play defense like either one of them did. But he's got plenty of time to cement his legacy in the playoffs more than anything. Um, but he's going to have to step up and perform there. Yeah, I mean, um... I, I kind of disagree with that a little bit, like not the whole Kirk Cousins thing because um, he shouldn't be compared to Kirk Cousins at all. But um, when it comes to him having, a, him having plenty of time to cement his legacy, I don't really think he does. I kind of think it's kind of now or never, and that's kind of what he realizes. And that's really, I feel like that's what's driving him. Um, he feels like his legacy is on the line, especially after last year. I mean, kind of choking, but. He feels like he needs to go out there and kill, and that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, I respect that a lot. Uh, I'm rooting for him. I, um, if James Harden is able to do something special and cement his legacy as an all-time great, it's going to be crazy like to be able to brag about how many all-time greats we've been able to watch the last few True. years with LeBron, Steph, KD, um, potentially James Harden if he does go out there and kind of change some narrative. Um, AD, potentially Giannis. It's, it'll be crazy to see say how many how much talent we were able to watch at the same time so in that aspect I'm rooting for him I don't think he has really time I mean it's now or never maybe he has next season but I mean he he knows that he doesn't have he's on borrowed time I would say yeah I, absolutely uh I I do think he's I mean I guess I meant Playoffs would be playoff narratives and changing narratives like that is the thing that is kind of now or never because the longer he chokes, the more Chris Paul like he becomes. Uh, it's funny, it's comical that they're on the same team. Uh, yeah. I guess I kind of meant, to me at least, to compare 
Jordan and Kobe or Jordan Kobe the greats and to involve James Harden in there I don't think he's done enough over a long enough period of time so I guess I kind of meant more in if because if he doesn't show up in the playoffs then he'll never get that kind of respect you're absolutely right and so it is I mean like as a whole yeah he does he does have um, time like as a whole like collective of his career but I guess more of what I'm saying is it's this season is where it starts or begins or it starts around. It, it's I mean, where yeah it's it's where the narratives yeah. begin to be broken down or the narrative becomes permanently James Harden yeah. is can't win in the playoffs. So I, I agree yeah. with that. All right. So I mean, guess <laughs> bringing back to the, the question I, I asked a little bit ago, uh, James Harden is MVP. What do you think? Um, is it realistic? Do you think he'll win a back-to-back MVP, and what are the odds and circumstances and whatever um, you think he will need to win one? Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of, when I went on tangent mode early on, I talked about it a little bit. I, so Giannis was the MVP favorite all the way up until last night when James Harden dropped 44, uh, 10 rebounds, and 15 assists on the Warriors' head. Um, and so... On the national stage, I think that's a huge thing. Like I was saying, he said that he was going to win back-to-back MVPs. He was basically like, I, like I'm on his. He's in the middle of his run. He's like, I'm tearing it up. I'm, I'm gone. I'm coming for that back-to-back. And Giannis is MVP favorite up until then. And then James Harden goes off, beats the Warriors on the road. All of a sudden, James Harden is MVP favorite. Betting odds, betting odds MVP favorite. Um, but I think that's the that is. I do think it can happen, and if I'm going to say as, I'll speak a little bit as a completely unbiased Rockets fan, um, to, to the best that I can, I think that James Harden can win the MVP, I think it's feasible, in order to do that I think that the Rockets have to be the two seed at least, I, I think they have to be the two seed, and ideally the Bucks drop down to the two, maybe three seed, and Toronto or Philly steps up, Boston steps up, whoever steps up in the second half. Ideally, the Bucks stumble. Giannis is thought about less of as that MVP front runner in a lot of people's minds. Um, and James Harden kind of has flipped this script. He's taken the Rockets from the bottom of the pack, forgotten about James Harden, Rockets collapsing, having terrible season after uh, being on the brink of a championship. He'll have flipped the script. Like I said, 14th seed to 4 seed in 12 games. On an incredible historic run that we haven't seen in 10 years. Those are the kind of narratives and storylines that buy in the media and the voters. They they look at Giannis as a prime candidate because he's been waiting in the wings. He's been that guy that's getting ready to explode and take over into the upper echelon of basketball, take the Bucks to the playoffs. And the Bucks are great. The Bucks are doing great. Giannis is great. He's fantastic. And you think he's averaging around 26, almost 27 points and 15, uh, several rebounds. Um, doing great. However, I do think that James Harden and what he's done to bring these Rockets back into contention is the, the factor that, as an unbiased fan... When I look at these storylines and the narratives, James Harden, if he can get these Rockets to a seed from as bad as they were at the beginning, and he's basically doing it by himself because Chris Paul's been out for a while. Eric Gordon's been shooting poorly for a while. Um, he's got guys like Gerald Green playing 30 minutes a game. And I love Gerald Green. Probably shouldn't be playing 30 minutes a game. Um, and so if he can take the Rockets out of the mud like this, that is that's a narrative that every voter will look at it and be like, okay, kind of just like you said, this is a cementing moment for his legacy. And if he can do this and bring that Rockets to, I think, at least the two seed. If they get the one seed, I would say James Harden is the favorite. I'm really not worried about anybody beating him if the Rockets could somehow snag the one seed. Two seed, I think he has to keep playing at this ridiculous pace, stay above probably 32 points per game and around nine assists, which would still put him number one in points and I believe two or three in assists. Um, I just think that his impact to his team is ultimately going to show greater than 
because of how bad they were in the beginning, I guess, is going to show out and allow would allow James Harden to win. But I think it only happens if they get the one or two seed. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much 100% agree with what you said. I mean, Giannis is the front runner. I mean, as of now, it's pretty much his MVP to lose, which is more likely than um, than not, I guess I would say, because the bu- the Bucks slipping, I feel like, isn't really necessarily inevitable, and obviously they're not going to slip to like anything below like a four seed. But I think I feel like they will regress a little bit. Um, and which will allow something like a 76ers to kind of pass them up. And I mean, if that happens, like you said, I feel like it's, it becomes, it now becomes James Harden's to lose. Um, if he keeps carrying the Rockets to see, I'd, I'd maybe stretch out and maybe give him, if he gets the three seed while averaging, say like, not necessarily 32, but a little more yeah. than that as a third seed, I feel like he'd be able to also um, grab it in that scenario. Obviously, I'm not expecting him to average 40 points for the rest He's of the He's averaging season. almost 34 right now, though. I just did yeah. 32 because I, I don't know. I, I, I'm in awe of what he's doing. I don't know how he continues yeah. to drop 40 points a night. I yeah. get that his usage rate is so high, but he's also shooting really well. And I, and Yeah, I mean, like you said, 60% true shooting. <laughs> that's, that, yeah, it's uh, pretty good. And, and, and part of that's free throws, but I mean... Still, it takes energy to exert it that much, and and Harden is second in the league in minutes per game to only Anthony Davis. Um, so yeah, I only said 32 because I don't know how any human being can keep up a pace like that. But guy, like the greats have done it. Kobe and MJ have done it, and they've done it over entire seasons. So that's part of what you'd have to see if if they can't get that one or two seed. Yeah, for sure. Um... I mean, even if he's able to bring the nine assists up to maybe ten, then obviously there's more there's more leeway on the scoring side. I mean, if he um, like once Chris Paul comes back, once he gets Aaron Gordon back or Eric Gordon, um, hopefully he um, figures out how to shoot again. <laughs> so that'll give that'll give James Harden more opportunity for some more assists. So, I mean, I feel like definitely if he's able to raise that assist up, his scoring leeway drops a little bit. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, a one or two seed for the Rockets, I feel like pretty much cements James Harden's MVP, assuming he plays at not necessarily this ridiculous pace, but keeps uh, an elite pace up and um, averages either 32 points and whatever he's at, eight or nine assists, or around 30-ish points, 29 points in 10 assists. And, but I guess it's also, like we've said, it's on Giannis and the Bucks. Like, it, it really is Giannis' to lose as of now. Um, I feel like he also has a narrative to fight for. I mean, he's only 24. And the people, or the players who have won an MVP at 24 before is a really short list. So, I mean, it kind of start to cement his legacy or get his legacy off to a really great start if he's able to get this MVP and then maybe take the Bucks to the final. So he's also fighting for that. He has a narrative going for him as well. But, I mean, if James Harden keeps this up, he I feel like his narrative is a little stronger. And, I mean, narratives is pretty much what gets you the MVP. Oh, I mean, it really is. It... As of late, like, we, like we've seen like with Russell Westbrook. Yes, dude, I, mean, I was going to say that. They were, what, a six, they were a six seed and... Um, narratives got all you hear is triple doubles that's exactly what I was thinking of yeah I mean obviously he averaged a triple double a year after and is currently averaging a triple double so I mean it's really the whole he did it last year too didn't he triple double yeah so like triple double last year it was pretty much the KD leaving him carrying uh, what was thought of as a trash OKC roster which wasn't necessarily that trash but um it wasn't the best, obviously, and um, averaging that triple double, and he he was the lowest seed to win um, an MVP since I believe like Jordan and like I think it was his first MVP that he won in like '83. No, not '83, obviously not '83. He was drafted. <laughs> he was drafted in '83, but um, it was Jordan's first MVP. I think he won as like I don't know if it was a six seed. I want to say like four, but. It's been like 30 yeah. years. <laughs> I mean, narratives got him that. I mean, we we have two pretty strong narratives going head to head. So 
I mean, it'll be interesting. I guess if I had to bet on it, I'd slide a dollar or two more on Giannis just because um, I feel like the Bucks falling is less likely than James Harden keeping up this ridiculous Like running pitch. out of gas, basically. So, I mean, yeah. Not, yeah. not necessarily running out of gas. I mean, he doesn't have to run out of gas to not average 40 a game. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I get you. Um, but the Bucks are just a better team, like, overall. They are, depth-wise. They're, the Rockets. they're coached I mean, well. They're in a, they're in, yeah, they're in the East. They play defense as well, so they're not so heavily reliant on a guy to go out there and put up a 12-game stretch where he's averaging 40 points. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I, part of this is probably my Rockets bias, but I, I really do think that James Harden's kind of flipped the script. I think he's put the ball in his court, and he just yeah. has to... Like Giannis, Giannis was out in the has been out in front the entire time. James Harden's been an afterthought. James Harden has been vocal about wanting to win another MVP. Now he's shown fire and the ability to play like an MVP on national TV. And and I think a big thing that it'll come down to as well is who plays better on the big stages. Um, pretty much falling into when when it's crunch time. Both conferences are going to be close. We we can tell that already. The top, mm-hmm. the, the entire West is separated by like four or five games. So obviously, I don't think the seven and eight seeds are. So I mean, obviously there's differences. The Jazz are outside of the playoffs right now. They were outside of the playoffs last year at Christmas time, and then was the hottest team in basketball to finish the season. Um, but it's going to be a tightly contested Western and Eastern conference, and I think. Whoever steps up on the bigger stages to win big games for their teams, like James Harden did last night, and like Giannis has been doing for most of the season, I think whoever can make the statements near the end of the season and say, if Giannis comes out and balls out in the end, part, the final month of the season and keeps the Bucks in a one or two seed, then he's probably got the edge because of the narratives you're talking about, him starting his legacy and the Greek freak has been waiting in the wings to become the next elite player. Um, but if James Harden can keep up anything close to this pace and keep the Rockets winning with this scrap heap, probably the worst roster that Houston has had since Harden has been there, with Eric Gordon and Chris Paul injured, mind you. No disrespect to Clint Capella or Gerald Green or Austin Rivers, who's playing really well right now. Um, but those guys aren't as good as Trevor Ariza, Luke Mbamute, uh they're not the same level of depth uh and so i I think it'll a big thing will come down to how those two play down the stretch in the big games that matter yeah for sure i mean i guess it's gonna be super interesting we haven't really had this uh double narrative mvp race i mean it's usually just one guy with the narrative and it's his mvp to lose pretty much i mean that's how it's been the last few seasons with james harden and his quest to finally get his mvp russell westbrook and the whole triple-double thing, Steph Curry, and uh, is he just a three-point shooter or is he an actual, like, elite player? And then um, KD when Russ went out and all that. So, I mean, it's it's narratives, but, I mean, this year we're blessed with two. Yeah, so, it's... It's, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be... It's, gonna be it's, been, lot, it's so. turned into a really exciting year of basketball, and I, I'm excited for the second half. I... I think I'm about to have to get the, the league pass going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect either to Kawhi and LeBron, who are obviously... Also contenders. Also contenders. Uh, yeah. Kawhi but, might uh, be the might be the biggest really dark horse out of all of them. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say dark, he is the biggest dark horse, but, I mean, I guess... I guess he kind of has a little bit of a narrative, but I mean, it's obviously not as strong as I mean, I James Harden's or Giannis's or even it's, LeBron's. It's tough so. to have a legacy when you basically wind your way out of somewhere and then took that team that you went to, to, to and then you just basically yeah. continued to play as well as you had been. No disrespect to yeah. Kawhi, but bailing on the Spurs, to, it's, 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 it's tough to build like a a national media like Kawhi should be MVP. We love Kawhi. When you go back to San Antonio, a place that has incredible basketball tradition and guys sticking around for their entire careers, and you get booed for most of the game. I mean, it's yeah, 
that's obviously a... I mean, he should have been I mean, good. no, I mean, he, he shouldn't have. It's, it's silly, but I mean, it's, that kind of shows you the disdain that is there a little bit. And so that's that's probably why he's yeah. the dark horse more than anything. Yeah, I mean, something... I mean, that kind of that kind of bothered me that the Spurs fans booed him. I mean, at least he and um, Pop got along. An organization that's viewed as like the most classy organization and stuff. I mean, it's the last organization I would think that would boo somebody, especially someone that had brought them a championship, won Finals MVP. It's probably so, just like major uh, frustration because yeah. of how much. Yeah, it's just saltiness. I mean, I guess, they got. But, they're um, not as good anymore. I mean, Kawhi took them out of championship contention yeah. basically. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd boo him well, because he did win a finals for you. Or not for you, but, like, with you. So, I, I, I don't agree with them booing him, but, I mean, I, I can get where pissed-off fans come from. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you if you guys agree with uh, the Spurs fans booing Kawhi, feel free to reach out and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. That's interesting. Maybe we'll do it. <laughs> but, uh, I guess, moving on. Yeah. I feel like we've uh, covered everything we can cover about Jim Harden. Are you sure you don't want to talk no, about we'll James Harden more? I'm almost out of material. Uh, we'll, come, we'll come back to we'll come back to something that's actually of this <laughs> earth, and uh, the college football. First, I guess we'll get into the, sem- the semifinal games. I mean, it's pretty much turned out how almost everybody on the planet was expecting it to turn out, um, especially here on. Uh, and Big Red versus the World, we were pretty much, our college football bashing session was pretty, turned into a Notre Dame bashing, bashing, bashing session for a while. So, I mean, that that game really turned out how we were expecting it. And, I mean, I guess we don't really get too far into the why Notre Dame was even in there to begin with. Um, so, I guess you could take it a little from here. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said it. Uh, we... Went on, bashed the college football playoff. What do you know? Semi semifinals roll around. Alabama gets up 28-0 on Oklahoma in the first quarter. Great job, playoff committee. Way to go. You did. You did it. You got another blowout for Alabama. Awesome. Clemson beat Notre Dame 30-3. Notre Dame, not of a Power Five conference. Sure, they went undefeated. Great. Who'd they play? They got stomped. And once again, two best teams are playing in the in the championship, Alabama and Clemson. When you had Georgia, who almost beat Alabama in the SEC championship, watching from a different bowl game. Uh, I don't know if Ohio State... I, I'm sure, actually, Ohio State would have put up a little better fight than Notre Dame. I don't know. I don't think they would have beat Clemson. I... We talked about this before the episode at Clemson and Alabama. Yeah, I believe we even talked about it in our playoff episode. Alabama and Clemson are probably the two best teams, and like with the original system, we could have figured that out as one and two in the rankings. Yeah, I guess to be fair to the co- to the committee, real fast. I mean, there's I don't really think there was a team that you could really put in front of Alabama or Clemson and really had a close, tight-knit game. I mean, maybe Ohio State and Clemson, like you just said, but, I mean, Georgia had two losses. They had um, gotten close to being Alabama in the champion, in the SEC championship, was yeah. it? Um, but, I mean, there wasn't really a team that you could put in front of either of those teams at that stage and expect them to really do anything. So, I mean, it was pretty much a waste of everybody's Saturday who decided to sit there and watch it. Absolutely, and I... I I do understand. It's t- you can't put Georgia in after they have two losses and one of them's to Alabama, um, even if they did blow it and should have beat Alabama. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, whether or not the playoff committee's hands were kind of tied, but their hands are kind of tied because of exactly what we talked about. There's no real structure or rules for how these teams should get in, and it really showed. It really showed, and. Clemson destroyed Notre Dame, and Alabama destroyed Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, um, Clemson, they went off um, Notre Dame. It was boo-boo. <laughs> uh, we pretty much got that 
got that separated. I apologize for that awkward silence. My headphones like shorted out for a second. It was weird. Um, so I missed like the last like 20 seconds of what you said. So basically, I was just saying that Oklahoma got stomped uh, and Clemson stomped Notre Dame. Tua played incredibly well, outdueled the Heisman winner. Uh, threw three incompletions, 320 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah. Alabama has the most explosive offense in college football, arguably has the best defense in college football. Um, not Like you said, I'm not sure any team would have been able to compete with them. But, yeah. I, I totally over the semis. It is what it is. There wasn't a lot the playoff committee could do. Both teams got blown out by the clear better teams, and that's who we get to see in the finals. So that works for me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, shout-out to Kyler Murray, too. I mean, he came out, played the worst quarter, worst first quarter of his career, pretty much, and then um, kind of turned it around and gave Oklahoma a tiny sliver of hope for a little Finish bit. Well. So, I mean, I guess shout-out to him. And then um, something I thought also was funny, how you, you just mentioned that Tua had three incompletions. I saw people on, like, Instagram saying, like, commenting under that very stat, like, they had the stat lines of Tua and Kyler Murray um, compare, comparing them or whatever, and people were saying, like, they were literally saying, like, not joking around at all, saying that Tua is an accurate, like, uh, chief. Oh, my. They, they got the, they got the goodness. stat. Goodness. They had three That's all Tua's so got. Tua's like, worst, like, I, Tua has, does not have the best arm. What Tua is excellent at is is his accuracy. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just super funny to me. So I just had to bring that up real fast. Before, uh, so I guess we'll get really into our predictions, I guess, real fast. Um, Alabama, Clemson, obviously, in the final. Uh, who do you have? Uh, dude, I this is such a tough game. I Alabama, Clemson, part four. Um I mean, it's. I honestly am kind of starting to think of this as more of like an as an epic of a rivalry as like Warriors Cavs was before, obviously the last last finals where it was kind of foregone conclusion the Cavs were going to get stomped. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, these teams are just so evenly matched. I really want Clemson to win because I just love it every time Nick Saban loses. Um, Probably for the same reason I love it every time Bill Belichick and the Patriots lose. Uh, gotta gotta hate the greatness, uh, but I th- I do think Alabama's gonna win, and I I think it's gonna be a I think it'll be something 30, 30 to twenty seven, uh, higher scoring game, but lower scoring. Higher scoring game for these two defenses. Lower scoring game for what you typically think of in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say Alabama pulls it out by three purely because Tua... I think Tua is a little a little more... He's definitely more experienced than uh, the Clemson quarterback. It's Is it Trevor Lawrence? Um... It's Trevor Taylor. I'm not 100 percent sure. I just really, I just really found out about him after he balled out against Notre Dame. Yeah, and he's so. a freshman. I, he's he's having a great year, and he yeah, has. Yeah, he's a freshman. He's only 19 years yeah, old. Yeah, he has phenomenal, phenomenal upside, and had an excellent game against Notre Dame. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. He's 19 years old. Tua came in and won the national championship for Alabama last year against Clemson. Tua is a baller. He has played like a Heisman the entire season. Now, I don't want to discredit anything that Clemson has done since Lawrence has settled in. He's been phenomenal. Uh, but I think Alabama's got, got the experience at the quarterback position and in a game where both teams have excellent defenses, great running backs, great, great wide receivers. I, really, Clemson's biggest weakness is its secondary doesn't, doesn't create a lot of turnovers. Uh, I, I think in such an evenly matched game, I have to give it to Nick Saban and Tua because I think Tua has the advantage over Lawrence. Probably won't next year. And I think Nick Saban has the advantage over Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to see Dabo dab on him, um, I'd have to go with Alabama too. I mean, like you were saying, they both have excellent defenses, probably one and two in the nation. I mean, 
I don't really care about what the stats say. I mean, I watched them. So, um, they're crazy on defense. But um, what separates Alabama's defense from Clemson uh, was seeing what they did to Kyler Murray in that first quarter. And, I mean, that was the Heisman Trophy winner. And they completely made him sh – they shut him down. I think – I don't even think he had – I want to say he ended up with zero passing yards after the first quarter. or something crazy like that. So, I mean, seeing that uh, – more than enough trust in the Alabama defense. I mean, like I said, I'd love to see Dabo dab on him. I mean, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be rooting for Clemson. One hundred percent. I think I think Alabama will win. Uh, Tua has the experience. I mean, he looked like he had all the experience in the world last year when he came in. Yeah, Alabama. with none. So, yeah. So I mean, that's crazy. He's he's just a crazy. Um, winner, I guess yeah. I would say. He knows what needs to be done. He's accurate. He's not really gonna make mistakes. So, I mean, I guess I'll trust in Alabama's defense, Nick Saban and his adjustments, and how he's able to pretty much outcoach any coach in the nation. So, I mean, yeah, Alabama. And, yeah, and, and I 100% agree with you. I would love to see Clemson win. I, I will be rooting for them when I watch this game, just like you, and just like I'm sure a lot of people will. But in the back of all of our minds is – we're all thinking Alabama is Alabama, and and that's kind of what I think our picks are reflecting. Um, one thing, one last thing, I guess we'll mention on it because I don't want we don't need to cover too much on it. Uh, we can talk yeah. kind of a aftermath of it maybe when it comes around. But um, I like that you called Tua a winner. You you said came in with this Tua's a winner. He's a great. He's a Heisman runner-up. He. His ability to come in at halftime and play the way he did in the national championship game last year gives me the same kind of goosebumps and feels that Deshaun Watson, when he was on Clemson, I feel like emanated. Deshaun Watson was always in the Heisman talks and he had a few years where he threw higher picks, but it didn't matter because Deshaun Watson won. Deshaun Watson was a grinder mm -hmm. that would run and pass and do anything he could to get Clemson the victory. And he showed that by beating Alabama a couple years ago. And I, I, and while Lawrence might be that eventually for Clemson, right now it's Tua. You're looking at the guy that just had the Heisman that could have gone either way. Kyler Murray's had an incredible season. I don't want to take anything away from him and his ability. But Tua could have easily won that MVP too. And so he's now playing, the Heisman, he, yeah. or not MVP, the Heisman, yeah, sorry. So yeah. we were talking way too much about the MVP. He could have won that Heisman, but he didn't. And then he gets to go play a revenge game against Kyler Murray. And now he's coming off that after probably doing what he feels was like proving that he's better than Kyler Murray, which is a different topic. Alabama's defense is obviously better than the sieve of a defense that Oklahoma is. But Tua not only was already considered a winner and great quarterback, now has something to play for with a chip on his shoulder because he lost that Heisman. And I, yeah, I, it's, I think it'll be really tough for Clemson to beat Bama. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is kind of going to serve as more of like a build-up game for next year, um, in a way, because, I mean, the way it looks right now, Alabama and Clemson are going to be back in the college playoff, um, presumably as one and two seed again. <laughs> Hopefully it's one and two seed. Um, but I feel like it's going to be more of a build-up game. I mean, it'll just give Clemson more experience. And I feel like if they were to meet up next year, which, I mean, if I had a bet right now, I would say, yeah, they will. It'll just make the game next year even more epic. So, I mean, at least there might be that. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it is going to be whoever can make that last play. I just have more confidence in Tua yeah. doing it than I do Clemson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so that kind of wraps up our main content. I did want to do one big red baller here real quick. Um, we don't talk a ton about the Mariners, um, but you say Kikuchi, the worst name I'm going to want to say for – a long time because I hope he's pitching well for Seattle for the next seven years. Uh, Big Red's baller is the Seattle Mariners and signing the coveted Japanese star. Uh, he has a lot of scouts view him as a potential number two uh, in in the MLB as his kind of max out range. I, I don't necessarily 
like to look into that all that much. The fact that they can view him as a frontline starter is fantastic. I wouldn't necessarily want to peg him as an immediate number two and be stuck there. I'd, I'd like to feel like he has potential to be a number one and anchor his staff. Uh, but with that said, either way, whether he becomes a two or a three starter for the Mariners or a one, um, he's still an excellent signing, 27 years old. He's right at the same age as Mitch Hanniger and Marco Gonzalez and slots in in that 2021 championship window as a huge piece of our rotation and the Mariners signed him to a really weird contract this is another reason why this is like a huge baller for me he signed for basically three years and around like 46 million with an option year for around 15 million and then he if he exercises that we have him for four years and then this is where it gets kind of weird is basically there's a team option that we can vacate a one extra year and sign him essentially to a new four-year extension at around for I think it's four years for around another 56 million or so and so basically if he plays well the Mariners could have Yusei Kikuchi this Japanese lefty star for seven years and pay him between 13 million and 16 million annually which in today's market of how valuable pitching is if we have a dude that's our number two in three years, paying him $15 million a year, that's legit. Yeah, I mean, I guess I won't get into it too much, but this is definitely a huge dub for the Mariners. I mean, kind of after, on the heels of that L they took with the renaming of Safeco, which is something I'm kind of salty <laughs> about, but... We won't, we, won't get too much, we won't get into that, but um, it's a W for the Mariners. Like you said, fits their whole rebuild championship window type thing that they have going on. Uh, and it'll be fun calling him Kaguchi because uh, I'm not going to try to slander anybody's name. So, I mean, we went from Versace Iwakuma to some Kaguchi. I mean, I could get down with that. So, I mean, W for the Mariners. All right, well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, kind of rambled on about James Harden and kicked it into pretty close to a normal episode for us. But um, this Big Red thanks you for your support. Yeah, I mean, stay tuned. Uh, we're, like Big Red said in the beginning, well, the next week or two, we're going to be getting into uh, a new uploading schedule type thing where we have more content coming out. Peace out. Bye, guys.